Episode 274, The Rant, William Modest, legendary soccer official, former collegiate men's basketball official, and one of the most well-respected referees in New York City of all time. If anyone has had the pleasure to see Bill on the field or on the court, you know off of it, it's no different. In this pod, we discuss his early life growing up in New York City, how he discovered officiating in the 60s, his come up in the playgrounds, his ascension to the collegiate level, his experience during the age of coronavirus, and what he's learned about himself in the decades of him being an official. Along with my co-host Bernard Bowen Sr. from B-Ball Referees, our conversation with Modest now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's REFEREERANT, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with my eternal collaborator, Bernard Bowen Sr. from B-Ball Referees. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm just, so happy and looking forward to this interview. Me too, man. We're just churning this out and we got to put all this stuff out. Hopefully one computer gets back, but we got somebody special on the get. Um, New York Saboa Emeritus, uh, interpreter, basketball official, certified for board 42 and 52, and a man that has longevity, probably longer than I've been alive, Mr. William Modest. How are you, my friend? I'm blessed, my brother. I'm blessed and uh, highly favored. Absolutely. Amen. Man. <laughs> wow. I, I don't even know where to start. I'll tell you one story that I have. When I started making this referee rant, I remember once I started getting some inroads into some people in the city. And of course, you probably don't know me personally because I just kind of knew in the New York City area. Every time I've always heard your name come up of saying there's this guy that has been reffing for years and years and years. And he still rests with the same alacrity and the same enthusiasm as if he just started. And that's William Modest. So I am honored. Bernard probably thinks the same. We are completely honored to have you on the show. Bernard, do you have any, any opening words that you want to say for? Yes, I am so proud to get him on because of the fact that he's seen me grow up and it's always put an ear in, a voice into my ear about being an official himself. And I enjoy myself to be around him when I see him and look at his presence and what he has given to the basketball referee community. So I'm happy to have him on this, this evening. Me too. And this is obviously a thank you to all of your contributions and efforts within the game of officiating. But first, I wanted to talk about what's been going on with the world. Everything is upside down. The COVID-19 global pandemic has been front and center, and it seems like it's not going to stop anytime soon. 
I just wanted to know, how have you been holding up during the COVID-19 global pandemic? When was the moment that you took it really serious, Mo? Well, you know, you know, like you said, I've been around for a while. I, you don't really realize that you are involved in history until after the fact. Fortunate to be involved in the civil rights movement in the 1958, 59, the sit-ins in the South. And I went to school in Raleigh, North Carolina, a little small historically black college called Shore University. And SNCC was started right on my campus, and I didn't really know it. One, April 15th, we usually didn't go home for Easter. We stayed on campus during the Easter break. And it was Ella Baker, yeah. Was it Ella Baker? She organized six meeting right on campus, and it was, formulated, it was formulated on that particular day. John Lewis, Stokely was there, all these top dudes. I came on and said, what's going on here? But the civil rights movement was almost a deja vu to this corona pandemic and the Black Lives Movement and the atrocities, the injustices that are happening today. It's almost like a reflection of those experiences then. Because I was from the North, and when I went down to school, I couldn't believe that these segregated situations exist. We had, we had legal apartheid then. To get a bus ticket, you would have to go to the college section. You go to the movies, you couldn't go to downstairs. You had to go upstairs. This was unheard of in my experience because I was a northerner. <laughs> and nothing you could do about it. Mm. Nothing you could do about it. I mean, it was weird. And my colleagues who convinced me to come down south to school I was asking them how they were dealing with it. They said, we just stay on campus. We just stay close to campus. We go downtown. We just come back. It was so restricted. It was almost very similar to the restrictions that are on us with this COVID and staying at home and social distancing, wearing your mask, elbows, don't fraternize, don't communicate. Very similar. But I'm dealing with it because out of adversity comes creativity. So I'm sort of like um, using this as an opportunity, an opportunity to grow in a different direction. Mm. Well, I think it's, I think it's great to hear you speak on it because as you said, and reflections of that, you can, you can live it and have experienced it, been exposed to it and to see what's happening now and being able to relate to folks who can understand your history just as much as we take that history that you have on a basketball court, you have a lot more to tell than just basketball. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when I rent and, and uh, Bernard, I feel really blessed the fact that I can interact with um, the next generation because my success was only as a result of standing on the shoulders of people who came before me, like um, the John Purvises, the Victor Jeffers, the Sabola organization, you know. Um, but I, I, went, I got into the game of officiating very, very late because I thought I could play, you know. And at that time, 
in the early 60s. And you didn't want to referee if you were a player, you know, but three, five, seven. You played too, I wasn't going too far with this playing thing. So I got convinced that maybe your love for the game could be detoured into officiating. And that's how I got started, you know. So somebody made it possible for me, a group of people made it possible for me to get involved in the game. I, I, I just like to pass it, let's just say, pass it forward, as these people say, and not giving back, but passing it forward. Uh, I really feel very, very, very happy to be in a position to do that. Well, I feel personally that if you did pass some of it forward, I am a recipient of it because the attitude and the demeanor and the professionalism that you bring to the table is something that I'm rewarded by watching you do it and then doing it myself. So I I praise you because you may not absorb or see that someone was watching your, your demeanor and how you handle business. And to me, that's important for our generation that's behind you, as I look at myself, that's something else that I have to do as well. And so I take that with a lot of sense and reward and thankfulness. And I'm appreciative of who you are and have, how you have been around this referee stuff. Those are some quiet, those are some um, kind words and flattering and kind words. I just try to be an ordinary guy. You know, an ordinary guy, and I try to, I just try to um, advertise what I think is the right job. And when I was in college, my coach, he was a football, an NFL football um, player who became basketball and football coach. We call him Dr. Clifford Anderson was his name. He was from New Jersey. And he said something that I have not got from the freshman class. What you do? Speak so loud, I cannot hear what you say. So oh, no, man, that's right. Oh man! So and that stuck in my head as a young buck, being eighty-two years old, July tenth. I still remember that as a, a saving a motivator and a saving grace. Hey, listen, um, I'm the young fellow, Billy Brooks, right? I'm sure you guys. Know. Yes, he was the young kid in my center in PS Five in the Bronx. Man, to see him reaching for or accomplishing some of the success that he's had, it's really puts a smile on my face. I went to well, see one of his games down at Columbia. They were playing uh-huh. Parnell. Man, I felt like I was out there, you know. And that was the question, just to give you a little bit about Billy, just like you had him. I had him on the basketball court in the lawyer's league, and he was roughing and complaining because he was one of the better ball players in the league. He was so playing? He, yeah. Billy could play. Oh, no. Here is Bernard, before you go, we used to call him, he used to emulate Nate Archibald. So we, we called him Termite. He had a nickname called Termite. But uh-huh. he, he, he was real, a little guy. Then all of a sudden, he sprung up to be about yeah. maybe 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, That's right. But, That's right. But tell your story. Go ahead, Bernard. Yeah. So, so what happened was he's, he's playing in the league, and he, he, I see him. He's complaining through the game and working for one of the law firms. And, I, and the game is over. And I said, you know what? The next time you come out here, we're going to talk about you being an official. So he comes out the next week and he comes to play. And as he's coming to play, he's arguing on a call. 
and their team is winning by about 20, 15, 20 points. I never, I, I mean, I could see it right in front of me as I'm sitting there talking. And I said to him, I said, uh, look, don't start complaining. You're winning by 20, play ball and have fun. And he's complaining. I, I blew the whistle. He said, what you call now? I said, I call the technical foul for unsportsmanlike conduct. And he looked at me. He said, yo, Bernard, what are you doing? I said, now I want you to go to referee school. And I gave him the number to call Saboa. And he went up and joined Saboa. And, and that's how he went into Saboa because I forwarded him up there. And from that point forward, he came up last summer. Uh, when he moved down to D.C., he came up last summer. And he worked Nike Pro City for me because I, I had him up at Hoop Mountain a few times and kept pushing his name through the envelope to where he won a scholarship to go back to Hoop Mountain. And then he got picked up a little bit going here and going there. And he went down to a couple other conferences. And yes, we're very proud of him. And like you said, when I see him refereeing a game, I think of myself going through the Lloyds League and watching him develop into a good official. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I had the pleasure, and it was kind of uh, really, really an exceptionally great pleasure of working with him. We were up at Rockland Community College. I finally got hooked up with Ricky Crowley and got into the Junior College League. Right. Uh, uh-huh. And I was running late for the game. So I called him and said, Phil, I'm on my way. He got my message, and he was waiting for me, and they were, where's the other rep? Where's the other rep? So he pulled him down, hey, listen, he's on his way, he's in traffic, you know, blah, 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 don't worry about it. But it was it was almost a situation where he was saving the teacher, so to speak, you know? Okay, yes. And it worked out real well. He was really good with the brothers from the Maryland area. Willie, Willie, um, uh, what's Will Willie's name? Willie, you know Willie, uh, who was the ex-president of IBO? Mm. I'm trying to think who he's talking about. Yeah, he was two, just maybe a year or so ago. Um, he was the president. Willie, little Willie. Uh, I know who you're talking about. I know. I can see him right now, but I, I can't call his last name. Yeah, but he was, yeah. he was good. Willie, the brother who was the coordinator from... The Ivy League and Patriot. And yeah, he's down. He's from down that Baltimore area because he was Greenwood. Uh, was it Greenwood? Greenwood. Re- Re- Greenwood. Reggie, Reggie Greenwood. Reggie, Reggie Greenwood. Reggie, Reggie Greenwood. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Billy went down. And the one thing that I always said to Billy that, again, I'm going to say it to you. I watch your demeanor when it comes to professionalism. And I use some of that for my own makeup as I develop myself. And I watched the professionalism, and I would talk to Billy about how to handle certain scenarios. And every game that we may have, what we may call in the neighborhood, we can, you cannot use that same mentality when you go someplace else. But if you learn how to officiate in this mentality in a professional way, you'll go someplace else, and you would grow. And Reggie Greenwood saw that. Jim Burke came over to me and said, He's a hell of a referee, you know, and that's some of that comes from yourself that comes from others in the organization, because a lot of officials get to Randy Donaldson and and you get some of the, the, you know, like a Vinnie Murray, you get some of these guys who basically have done pretty well. 
and they move up the ladder. And like a Sean Campbell, which is who's an awesome official, just to hear some of these guys really develop. You got one now that's the president of up in 52, uh, AG. Kevin. Kevin AG. Kevin AG. I had Kevin working the Westchester League and got him really pumped up and brought him down to Orchard Beach. And that Orchard Beach, I got him up at Hoop Mountain. And I talked to him up at Hoop Mountain and made him introduce him to some folks. Again, it, it goes back to why we wanted to make sure that you were introduced to a lot of the world because a lot of people see Mo as the Mo is the silent one sitting in the corner, but he's not your very big piece of the corner mm. that has given a lot of folks a lot of direction. And you need to be rewarded for it and hear it so others can actually accept the fact that there is a a teacher here, not just a student. Mm, mm. Well, listen, I heard a guy tell me something that was so great. He said, if you want to keep something, you have to be prepared to give it away. I'm very humbled about my experiences, my whatever. But just basically feeling of gratitude and sharing. Yeah. You got you to share it. Share Absolutely. It. That's what it's all about. That's what it's really all about. That's why... Unfortunately, it's unfortunate that we as people of African descent, we've been so colonized in our thinking that we don't lean on each other or go to each other. We wind up going against each other. And it is absolutely that type of colonization has been so prevalent, such an obstacle in our being able to advance, not as individuals. But that's a group. Yeah, and that's one question I would ask you. How long have you been in the referee community? Ivo officially got after test and everything in 1970. So this is my 50th year. But I took the test in 69, and I didn't pass. I went back in 70 and passed the test. And I took up a Hugh Evans, uh, who was there with us. Hugh Evans, Ray. Miles, Miles George passed the year before. He passed it in 69. But that whole group, with the whole group of us that were getting into a fish hunt, we were really very knit group. Everybody was supporting everybody. And after maybe about six or seven years, it seems as if the next wave that came in, everybody was kind of competitive with everybody. They wouldn't even tell you when they were going to camp. They wouldn't tell you when they were... I was saying, oh, wow. It it broke the continuity or the stream of officials getting into the next level. Well, that's what my job that I have taken very serious. And and in the background, I have been mentoring and and leading, just like meeting Ralph a couple of years ago and getting him into that referee frame of mind a little bit more and just seeing his talent on the other side of the art that he does, I just took it and we're just taking it to another level and making sure that we don't forget those while we have the opportunity or the platform, you know, mm-hmm. so to reach out to different board mentors, I consider you one of the board mentors, you know, and, and, and we want to make sure the board mentors get some notoriety so that they can hear what hard work you put in 50 years at Able? How long have you been with Saboa? I'm proud to say that myself, Ray, Miles, some of the other 
we are the officials that the founders selected. We were like the first group the founders selected. I saw Ray, Miles, um, this guy, Hal Johnson, was around for a number of years. I'm trying to see. Uh, I don't know if that's many. Ray Jones. Was, Ray Jones. Definitely. When I mentioned myself, Ray, Miles, Hal Johnson. That Ellis came loose behind us. But he was an early person also. But the officials that the founders recruited, um, Oscar Singh, you remember? Yeah, I know Oscar. I know yeah. Oscar. Yes, sir. He was also one of the ones class of recruits that the founders select. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Christine, well, at that time, that time. I was doing a little freelancing. I was doing a little freelancing. I didn't know how to rap, but I was doing a little freelancing down at Walker Memorial Church on 16th Street. Uh, uh-huh. So, yep. And I remember it's old Mr. Fisher. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. See, the the funny part is sometimes more what gets me is I hear younger officials and they come and they say, Bernard was never an official. I don't know where he came from. And I said, they just don't know the history. And yes, that you, I made a decision to go corporate America and stayed in the referee community. I enjoy still staying in it, but at a different level in a different way and want to be able to facilitate those officials who can give more to the officiating community that I may have wanted to because I had a wife and children. So I look at that as an asset for us to try to share that knowledge with younger officials. You brought up a good point when you say Victor Jeffries. I remember when Victor Jeffries, I used to hang out across the street from him and Lincoln Projects on Madison Avenue. And mm-hmm. he used to say to me, you're going to be a referee. And you're going to be a referee. He said, you, you're always asking about a call. You're going to be a referee. So I remember when Ernie Loich had Citywide at 128th Street and Lexington Avenue. And right. people don't, people think Citywide was only on Second Act, but it started right there on Lexington Avenue, 128th Street. And I used to referee the little kid games because I played for Riverside Church. which <laughs> I wasn't certified, but he used to make sure I ref the little kid games. So I've always had it in me when Ralph and I talk, I say, Ralph, you know, we can go so far back, but there's a lot more history that officiating needs, officials need to hear about some of the greats in the community, and I think you are one. Mm-hmm. Well, well, uh, thanks for the compliment. Uh, but, um, and, and back at you, Bernard, I, I have to admit that you're connecting the dots of um, interesting parties and officiating has been a good thing. I mentioned a couple of people about your Thursday night session. Uh-huh. Uh, I mentioned it to a couple of people, and I said, hey, this is great exposure, great discussions. I told them about this, the financial literacy piece that, I don't know if it was called financial literacy, but it, the, 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 the piece you did, the most recent piece that you did about um, how to handle your earnings and the people you had on, the young lady and the accountant and whatever, and how you manage your, your finances and your incomes and keep stock of it. Something that you don't find that in the book. You don't find it in the rule book. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? The thing about it, this was a lot that had to do with Ralph. Ralph kept pushing me, and I give him a, a lot of credit to it. He's like, Bernard, you, you're so diverse. He came up to my house, and we sat in the backyard, and we were just, like, talking. And he was like, 
let's do something. I said, well, I want to do a round table. And this was in April. And we sent the invitation to like maybe 15 people. We got 12 people that came on. And we talked about what are you doing during the pandemic and why, what is the pandemic doing to you? And then we said, you know what, let's take it to the next week. And then I did one camp about a camp. And Ralph was like, yo, he said, you're hitting topics that's not normally spoken upon in the referee community. And I said, that's what we need to do. We need to enlighten officials about what they need to do. Preparing them to go to camp is a big thing. Preparing them how to handle a paycheck. You know, do you referee for the love of the game or you referee the love of the money? And referees need to understand all of those things. And if you're going to take it as a business, which we are, you have to understand how to manage your finances. So when we talked about that topic, Ralph was like, that's right up your wheelhouse. So him and I thought about it. We put together that one. And uh, we got a new one coming up next Thursday. And Donnie Ethley from IABO basically said to me, he said, I've never thought about that. And officials mm-hmm. need to hear that. And for me, I'm proud just being a Board 42 member, a kid from East Harlem, a kid who's, don't forget where you come from. And I just want to be able to relate to the referee community, but I wanted to make sure that the body of the community that I pretty much touch base with, that they know they can come to somebody who can break down some of those things without having to go out and pay for it. I can break it down for them. So that's my attitude about helping Besides showing them how to blow a whistle, I can show you how to count your money and how to make it an asset for you. Uh. That's invaluable, invaluable. So once Willie Jones is the president, the name I was searching for before um, from the Baltimore, Washington area. Yeah, I know Willie Jones. Yep. I'm going to mention that I was working with a very successful referee. I was... I think we just started doing three-person at that point. I picked him up at the Westchester Airport. We were going to, um, where were we going to? School in Albany. Oh, um, Siena. We were going to uh-huh. Siena. So I picked him up and we drove from the Westchester Airport to Albany. So I, I asked him, well, how do you handle your the IRS? He said, I can't talk to you about that. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> 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 I said, wow. You know, and, and he was the best. I wanted some insight on. I figured that here we drive in and I'm I'm picking him up at the airport. I'm doing him a solid and maybe an opportunity to share stuff because that's how the other ethnic groups doing exactly the bar outing, whatever the bar yeah, 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 have a a bowling night. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and that's how I see young guys who couldn't even rap. Next thing I know, bingo. And D1 conferences, and I say, yo, wow! It's a matter of not who you know, but your connection. And that's that's what I think is so important, especially like I said to to our president. My goal is to be more involved because I know that I know, as you say, I know how to dot the eyes and cross the teeth. I'm not looking to take a game or trying to enhance your ability. I'm trying to teach you the the, the road to go down and, and be professional and handle it. And if I can do that for you. Just come on back and give it to somebody else. Come on back to the community and, and talk to some other officials. Go watch another official. But to me, when I have guys calling me, Ralph and I did an interview, I think like Sunday, of a, a gentleman that I met over another podcast. I, they invited me on, and he was on doing some pre- presenting. 
when I met him and we talked, I said, I want to get him on ours. He's in London and he called in on our since he met me and we talked a couple of times. He's like, I'm loving what you're talking about. He said, because we don't hear this, especially from a group of us who want to be, to grow in this. You know, how do we actually go? Who, who are our mentors? Who are folks that want to push us? So to me, when I get a guy from Canada calling, now it's like, I want the guys from my backyard calling. And the yeah. guys in the backyard need to understand the ropes that it takes. And Ralph has put a platform for us to do it. He does a great job with it. I'm proud to be part of it, to put it that way. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm proud to hear both of y'all OGs just going back and forth to things that I don't even know about. I'm not going to be... I'm not going to lie to you. I don't normally let Bernard hijack my show like this, but I'm pleasantly surprised of, you know, all the growth because, you know, I see a lot of myself in you and I want to have all that longevity. What I wanted to ask you, Mo, this is something like is really interesting to me. You talked about how you just wanted to be ordinary. I think what's so extraordinary about you is that you've been consistent all of these years. And aside from maybe like an injury or two, this is probably the longest you have not been on the court, Right. Everything is weird. You can't even you can't even get on the court. What have you learned about yourself during this time of reflection? And also, I think that, you know, so since you, you know, Mickey Crowley, who's around these parts in Long Island, he's a legend out here. I remember a lot of a lot of people that I know, my mentors, they look at somebody like Mickey Crowley as their mentor in the conversations back and forth over the phone. I just find that an archaic time that was once upon a time because, you know, I think about how I get my assignments. I get it through my email. Right. I get a text message. That's how I contact all of my front network when it comes to referees. And we have these Zoom calls and everything is so different. And I think this is probably the first time that referees have really bought in to the new technology. I'm pretty sure that when college officials found out that they have to use their email, they were probably moaning and groaning like, I'm not using my email. That's weird. <laughs> so just talk about what have you learned from this whole pause? Just talk about the creative, I guess, this new technological advance with respect to officiating. It, it, it's extremely challenging, man. It is extremely challenging. It's kind of frustrating juggling all these different passwords to get in. And, oh, sucks. I got the password now. You can't get in. You know, like, you know, I have to find. Fortunately, I'm partially still employed. And I work with some young people who are tech savvy. So they kind of, like, help my literacy, my technology literacy to a great degree but it is still challenging because um arbiter what i did Brent, i uh, i sort of like um what what would it be i grew myself into another direction oh bernard you'd appreciate this i diversified my officiating portfolio absolutely to the extent that i do soccer because I like the running and it keeps me in shape for the basketball season. And I do volleyball. Volleyball, they have a couple of different levels. I'm a certified lines judge. So I do lines for St. John, Manhattan, Iona, Fordham, number of Division One schools. And so interesting to see the different levels of operation when you go from High school, junior college, Division two, Division three, Division one. You just see things just 
so professional when you're at that level. Being able to diversify my portfolio also keeps me very interested. Officiating and some of the other sports, they don't discriminate against you with age as much as basketball. See, I aged out in basketball. Once you get a little gray in your hair and you've been around a while, like, oh, well, got to send him to the planes. He's getting too old for this. You know, we want younger guys. Heard that, heard that. And a couple of the other sports, like you know, volleyball and soccer, it, it's not age-specific as it is in basket. Basket's always looking for the 18-year-old, the, 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 you know, the new, the young kid, always. So I've been able to diversify my um, officiating portfolio to a point where um, basketball is almost some kind of like um, – weaning myself from it being my primary interest. But it's hard, but I'm still connected to it. But your question was, um, how am I handling this? Giving me a chance to really reflect. I'm usually on the go. Always on the go. Game here, game here. You know, so it slowed down. It's giving me a chance to focus and sort of like reflect and prioritize where I want to go and what it is I want to do. Mm. You know, it has its benefits. It has some benefits. And interestingly enough, my, my buddy, he wants me to come out and do a game tomorrow. On <laughs> 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 29th Street in that park where Citywide used to be, 1 and 2 o'clock, there's going to be girls. Well, hey, I just look forward to running up and down again. I mean, I'm doing a lot of push-ups and sit-ups and running in place, but it ain't the same thing right. as the court. Mm-hmm. So, I need that. I yeah. really, really well, listen, if you do end up doing it, stay safe because, you know, I'm looking at the projections on CNN. It seems like it's not going to get any better. In fact, it's getting worse. But I did want to touch upon something that you spoke of. You said early on when yeah. you were a young man, when you were in college, when you went to a historically black college in North Carolina, you saw a bunch of giants such as John Lewis that was at the forefront of the civil rights movement. And, you know, ironically, that's like 50 years to the day. We just had the Million Man March the other day. We're recording this on a Friday, early September, just to see how far we've come. Right. Black Lives Matter always mattered. Now we just put an identification that everyone in the world knows. You know, I just wanted to talk about how different it is and just seeing the evolution of that and just seeing you know, our, our white brothers and sisters standing up to racism, our Asian brothers and sisters, our Latino brothers and sisters standing up. How much has it changed for you and how appreciative are you for the evolution of how things have come so far? Still being surprised, uh, Grant. It's only it's only a, a little crack in the ceiling. It's I was on a Zoom call today at the school I work at, Queens College. City University of New York, and we had a discussion talking about decolonizing the curriculum out in Queens. They just hired an Asian, his name is Frank Wu, an Asian president, Queens College, starting July 1st. This brother was an instructor at Howard University, the first Asian to work at Howard University's law school. So we brought a, a gentleman in to the fold of uh, brought it into an environment that 
usually not very welcoming of people of African descent or any other persuasion. And I don't know how it's going to really work out. But the climate is so ripe for change. And we see all these in, all the injustices that are happening globally. The whole world is like, the hell is wrong with America? What's going on? So if anything happens, it's going to happen now. If it doesn't happen now, then we're going to have to wait another 50 years for something to happen. Uh, I heard a gentleman say something that this is a Corona 16-19 pandemic. We got the the COVID-19 pandemic. We got the 16-19 pandemic. We got the employment, the economy, and we got 25 at the helm of all of this. This is very, very, I guess it's madness. You know, when there's chaos, there's always opportunity. Mm. The other side of chaos is opportunity. So something, hopefully this is an opportunity that we need to really, really take ultimate advantage of because uh, I know I won't get another shot at it. Trent, you know, you're the next generation, your generation, your kids will be kind of pushing for this. So they listen, Black Wall Street, I mean, Tulsa, you know what happened there. We have to be students of history also. Yeah. We have to be students of history because if we're not students of history, then we'll be repeating it again and again and again. Every experience has a lesson in it. Absolutely. One question I want to say, as far as education goes, how many of your quote-unquote students come back to you or ask you, or can you give us a list of some that have come back to you consistently and stay engaged as they move up, as we would say, the referee ladder? A few do. A few do. Um, We had an Asian fella, what's Fong? Fong Wu. You know Fong Wu, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yes, I do. Went to his wedding. Well, his dad now, I think he might be his dad twice now. But I hear from him occasionally. Ed August. Yes. Sending me potential candidates to learn how to referee. There's a few who still come back. There's a That's few. good. Mm. Well, I know what I wanted to do myself was I'm going to probably sit down with you and Fred and help meet some of the candidates so they don't feel afraid to feel uncomfortable reaching out other than yourself just to let them know Mm. that I'm here to help them as well as Mm -hmm. they're trying to help themselves. And I think a lot of our younger officials don't realize the relationships that we have because they don't see us with each other every day. True. True. That's very true. Um, You know, I think about a question that that I had. So I think about myself. Let's go back all the way from when I first started officiating. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, I meet Bernard. I'm wet behind the ears and I get a chance to work with the venerable William Modest. And I'm looking at him like, what the hell is go- how long you been reffing? 50 years. And I'm lo- I, and I'm just I'm so shocked by that number, you know, I, I, and I wish I had the time to just even get a chance to speak to you. And that really is the genesis of me making this podcast. You never really have the opportunity to really get to know you. You get bits and pieces. And then hopefully in three months time, maybe I see you down the road and I ask you another question and I ask you another question. I think this is a perfect opportunity to explain in its full 
full totality. How did you even start refereeing? And talk about really, you know, you taking the IABO class, failing it, because I failed my, my first time. And then also just, you know, what, what was it like just, I guess, being in the circuit in the beginning? When was the moment that you took all this stuff to really serious? Well, you know, I, I always like, you know, I, I kind of like officiating when I was playing on a team, or like the varsity team in the community centers, and JB would play. He said, we need a ref. Okay, you take the whistle. And we did the best we could. We knew the call. Uh, we didn't know the signals that well, but we knew tax, whatever. And let's be we all, as a player, you ref, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy pushed you with my ball. You can't dribble or whatever, whatever. We always ref, even when we were playing. Players always ref, you know. That kind of, like, gave me a feeling for a, 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 a um, satisfactory feeling for doing it. And being able to spot the things that were wrong, like you walk, but just he took three steps, blah blah blah, blah. you know. And we argue, and sometimes the sides would, would would not get into the argument, and you'd just stay, and you wouldn't even play again, and you wouldn't leave the court. But those kinds of youthful interactions then get sort of like professionalized when. Older guys who were refereeing said, well, you really want to learn how to wrestle? Okay, we're going to start a school. We're going to start training guys how to wrestle. And we just kind of said, we were so right. And we just moved right into it. So, so that, that's how that happened for the most part. Uh, and, and, and the whole idea that basketball, he wasn't going to play in the Eastern League at that time. It's only for a college ball player after college days with the Eastern League or if you're lucky to make one of the glow trial for one of the glow trotted teams, then you can consider continue to referee. There was a few leagues, the Broman League and a couple of other leagues for um, older guys, the people who were out of college and in their twenties come back and play, you know. Um, but that was all recreational was all recreational. If you want to do something on another level, on a professional level, playing, you had to be extremely good to be able to compete in the Eastern League. And that was a handful of very special players. Good guys who were really, really top-notch guys. You know, And I didn't fit into that category. Being five, five, eight and three quarters, 160 soaking wet, you know, that was, forget about it. (laughs) So I I kind of like sort another opportunity, you know. Now, that other opportunity, I think a lot of people don't see it. And you mentioned before that you were a baller. And it's really hard to separate your identity with that, especially when you're starting, because Bernard and myself, we we could talk up and down about how many people we go like, yo, you should ref. You should ref now. And everyone's like, no, I'm not refing. That's, you, you, I hate them. No, I would never do that. I don't like the uniform. I don't care. I, we're always adversarial. And then you you think about it like, no, I'm telling you, you should ref. This is, and, and Bernard mentioned this the first time we ever spoke on an interview. He said, 
you know, once he realized the longevity that you can have in the game of basketball through officiating, it sounds much more appealing, but it's really hard to do that when you're still active in the game. Uh, one thing I want to ask yeah. you, do you think that you wish you started earlier? And also, is that one of the like deep regrets that you have? You wish you started earlier? Yes, yes, yes. And, and, and my, my mentors and advisors, they always told us, hey, listen, you got to take a couple of years off, take five years off. And even some of my Caucasian friends said, hey, Bill, out of here. You know, you know they, would, they would give you advice to complement your longevity. But I wish I would have started it earlier. But at the time, I, I, again, my ego, officiating was not something that I thought my skill set. I, I thought that was beneath me. Who wants to referee? It wasn't popular. That's what it was. Mm. And you know the other thing, too? I didn't see that many examples out there of us. And, and like anything else, kids, young people, they become see. They become what they see. And I didn't see many examples, only a few in our neighborhood. And those are the ones who caught our attention. Those were tough guys in our neighborhood. They didn't take anything from nobody. Jeff was one of those. That's right. Uh, but didn't one of where? And you know who else? Oh, uh, he was the, he was the, he was in charge of the Riverton. Dolly King, Dolly King, Dolly King played for Lincoln University, played for Harlem teams and whatever. Hey, you guys got to check out this website, blackfives.com. Brother's name, Claude Johnson. He talks about the history of basketball. Prior to 1950, before brothers got into the NBA, and how we had all these teams all over the place, men and women, blackfives.com, a ton of information. He had a, a, an exhibit in the Barclays Center. He had a lot of his stuff in the Barclays Center. He had an exhibit down at a museum in the city of New York. Fantastic information, historical information about basketball. Seren, Seren, Isaac, John Isaac. John yeah, Isaac. good man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all those guys, I mean, during that era, you know, when they had the world, 1938, 1937. It's like, hey, that's 80 years ago, damn near. 90, you know. <laughs> the basketball that exists during that time. History of, we were playing basketball then. Fantastic about uh, historical information. Like you said, Seren, I wish I would have started earlier. Mm. You know, uh, a quick story. And I, I mentioned Ren. We didn't have any role models. Danny Dorse was the interpreter for Board 42. And he would come. He and Forsy Francis worked together. Forsy Francis was the big eyeball person and the assigner for the Ivy League. I made the Ivy League. Joe DeBonis, guy from Queens, brought me into the Ivy League. They had a game at Columbia University. Danny Doss was called and said, no, Danny Doss called Forsey and said, Forsey, you're going to be in the first, you're going to be on the front page of USA Today. And Forsey said, why? What, what, what's up? 
Huh, you have three black officials on a Columbia game. Mm. <laughs> what? <laughs> he said, what? Wait a minute. I, I, I have Hendrick, Bob Hugh, and Mark Epstein. Yeah, you got three black officials on the Columbia game. But I thought Otepsi was Italian. <laughs> and Ren, you know, and, and, and I, I didn't get no laugh out of that either, man. And I said, why is that three black officials on a Columbia game, why did that have to be newsworthy? Fourthly, he changed. One of the our viewers on the game was myself, Hendrick, and the guy. But I said, wow, this, that, that was an offense of newsworthiness when you've always had three whites on all the games. Yeah. And it's okay. And he told this story at an event and got laughed out of it. Wow. Wow, yeah. they have not woke up yet, isn't it deep? Yeah, that's that's yeah. super deep, super deep, super super deep. Woo! What I did want to ask with you, so you have so many winding twists and turns, and of course you're a founding member of Saboa, and you know you are an interpreter, and you always involved with your local board. What got you involved, and when did you start identifying yourself as a mentor? feeling comfortable with dispensing that information, trying to give back to fellow officials that are trying to, you know, have a real go at officiating. Well, you know, Red, it's, it's almost the highest form of flattery when somebody wants to copy off you or buy the shoes that you have or walk like you or wear the hat like you or you got a coat. Where'd you get that from, a man? So, you know, that's the highest form of flattery. It's not like, I ain't telling that stuff. I want to look like me. I guess I guess I didn't come up like that, you know. Uh, you know, you know. I'm a fraternity man, and my fraternity talks about, um, you know, being friendship is essential to the soul. That's our motto. Mm. Friendship is essential to the soul. That's our motto. So maybe I don't know, man. Red, I haven't. I haven't, I haven't looked in the rear, rear view mirror to your question, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess. Uh, Dal Curry is another one of my guys. I mean, oh, yep. God. Oh, it's, uh, uh, he's my mentor. He's my mentor. And I stopped hearing from him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Dar- I had Daryl up at Hoop Mountain, and he's another one like I did with Billy Brooks. And, and you know how you go into those rooms. And we sit down in the rooms and we're, 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 uh, we're making recommendations. And you are right. And that's why I say for me personally, I take it with a lot of pride. I want to be that person to be in the community to help the younger officials. As I said a number of times on the line, especially here in the Northeast, uh, they need to hear from us. They need to have, they need to hear from us, you know, communicatively. Uh, and also in officiating and with, with blessings with my son being moved up to the Nike pro city, you know, commissioner and allowing me or wanting me to take over and involving the NBA, uh, 
G League officials and up and coming officials, I think it's an asset for me to push our younger officials coming out of our board to get that exposure and maybe they can go down to a Mark Lewis camp down, you know, and see that, you know, as you said, if we start at 22 and 24 and 26, we got a shot to getting into the NCAA. And, and if we want to take it to the next level, we have a window to make it to. But a lot of us get caught into it at the older age and your window is so short and it's closed. And, and that, that's the thing that I'm looking at. And even if you're at a little older age, but if you're dedicated and committed, you know, uh, we need to have those connections to the NCAA that they can tell us we want Division Three. We don't mind crawl, walk, jog, and run. We just want to be introduced so we can learn how to crawl, walk, jog, and run. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And if I could add that advice, though, Bernard, they connect the officiating organizational dots, you know, um, because um, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You know. So, That's right. Um, That's right. Connect those official organizational dots. You know, let's not be competing with each other. Let's coexist or incorporate each other. And we will, you know, together we will make it. But individually, they don't say, "Oh, we want to." So and so. Um, we'll take your guys and not not, not Bernard's guys. Or we'll, we'll take these guys and not that guy. You know, they always divide and conquer and divide and rule. And we know what the destructive formula is, but we keep on allowing it to affect us. We got to be smarter than that. I I, I, I totally agree with you, and I can't overheartily say how much I agree with you because. I've always said, and, and I'll be candid, you know, this is one of the reasons why I went back and I joined Saboa. Uh, and, and this is another reason why I said, let me get back into my board 42 in my backyard, you know, where I come from, because I do have vehicles that I want to help others learn how to drive like I drive them. I want to have the access without conversation of negativity of others who may not have that same mission or guidance. I would love to be that person to bridge that gap and let folks understand that these are the steps in this person. He's not better than anyone else. He just has the vehicle and he want to teach you how to drive them. And, mm-hmm. and that's, a, that's an asset that we have to take advantage. Not me, especially when I say it for myself, I look at it. I'm not looking to referee a game anymore. Can I ref? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I, I feel better being able to market another official who's going to get 10 years in and, and, and let them come back and give back the way that I have. That's why when I pick up the phone and I call Kevin, uh, uh, I call Kevin Sparrick or I can call Ashley, you know, these are people who I've helped and mentored or, or gave them, you know, platforms for them because of my involvement. There's too many young officials that still need a platform. And, and we need to give them that platform. And that's why I thought about it. And, and, and I said, hey, these are things that Saboa needs to have or help with. And if I can be that help, I'll be there to do it. 
You know, because yeah. and the young lady that you have is awesome. Renee, Renee, Renee. Renee. Oh. She's a sweetheart, man. <laughs> oh. She she's always the first one on the call. <laughs> no. Yeah, Ralph, tell her. Yeah, she's, she's always the, the first one on the call. She, if her audio's wrong, she'll come back, and, and she's always, you know, ready to go, ready to learn. And and that, that's something that, you know, that, that only comes from somebody you could you could tell is enthusiastic. It rubs off when somebody is just as enthusiastic about it after so many years' time. So that's that's definitely yeah. kudos to you. Um, yeah. Okay, Ralph. She's a, she's a special person, now. So, you know, just over the course of your 50 years, um, I'm pretty certain that you've officiated, had the honor to officiate so many great athletes, so many fellow officials that have been, uh, also have contributions to the game. Just list some of the best players that you've ever seen and some of the best officials that you've refereed side by side with. Um, well, I'd say Hugh Evans. Hugh Evans, it's this gentleman, Hugh Evans, who was, Started with us all the way up to the. Uh, I think he got an even inducted in the Hall of Fame. I'm he not is. Sure. He is. I, he is. I think he is. Okay. Um, David Day. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's in Florida now. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get a chance to work with John Purvis that well. Uh, uh, this time, oh, what's the. Um, um, Kyle, uh, John, uh, is it John Kyle? They call him Cahill, but, uh, um, uh, from the Syracuse area. Um, uh, um, the brothers that I've worked with. Uh, um, uh, hmm, 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 hmm. Uh, didn't get a chance to work with a lot of the brothers. Uh, um, Vinny was excellent official. Vinny Murray passed away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, oh, Bill Baxter. Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, oh, Herb Nash. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, his, his son is. His son, yep, that's right. Right. His son can blow. His son can blow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Bob Sawyer. Yes. Uh, Leroy. Uh You know when you're in a game with Leroy, um, well, (laughs) you feel very safe being in the game with Leroy. (laughs) Freddie Gallo. Freddie Gallo. Yeah, I know Freddie. Um, what's, what's this little guy who? Oh, boy, what's his name? Um, you know him, Bernard. Honey Bun. Uh, no, it's the, the white fella. Um, oh, he did the Final Four. Dick uh, Rivera. No, little guy, little guy. I, well, I worked with Big Dick, but he was he Larry. Was, so uh, he was complaining. Dick was complaining. Well, how come you made the NBA and he didn't? You know, and same yeah. with birth discrimination, that kind of stuff. You know, but uh, um, wow, it's interesting. <laughs> oh boy, but Dick, Dick is the one who got me. 
after I went to Lee Jones's camp, because Dick and Dick and Lee ran a camp, and that's how I got involved on the pro side. Eddie, Eddie, what's Eddie's name? Eddie, 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 uh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. Big time Division One official, Big East, ACC. Eddie. Yeah. Ooh. Eddie Corbett? Yes, sir. Thank you. Oh, God. How can I get Corbett out? Oh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Get a good yeah. official. You know, every time we go, every time we have a game and make the reference, hey, Billy, let's meet at so and so. God, you want to go to Meg. <laughs> <laughs> Crowley also. I mean, Mickey, <laughs> Mickey had the gift. Okay, I mean, every, he had the gift. Yeah, man. This guy, so what kind of call is that? <laughs> the Hindu. <laughs> <laughs> the Hindu is when stick ball is when you miss and you get another another fire at it. You know, you yeah. Hindu. Yeah, Hindu. Yeah, okay, uh, okay. <laughs> But, uh, that's a couple of them that I can just um, off the top of my head. How about some of the players that you've had? Oh, boy. Oh, man. Uh, you had my son. <laughs> Stephon, Stephon Marbury. He was tough. Uh, Artez. Um, um, Felipe. Oh, he was oh and, yeah, and Felipe Lopez. Just let you play. I mean, no, no beef, no nothing. No crying. Play. That's right. No That's crying. right. The lefty who went to Arkansas. I saw him on 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 on. on uh, I saw him on the. You, uh, you mean Kareem Reed? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. Um. Good ball player. Um, yeah. Lefty, the other one, Anderson, Kenny Anderson. Yeah, yeah. You might as well say Kenny and Kenny. Kenny Smith. You know, I, I, I met his best brother, Vincent, but I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't have, um, I don't think Kenny Smith, maybe he didn't come up there, but uh, I didn't see him. Mark like Jackson. Mark you had Mark Jackson. Yeah, had Mark Jackson. Yeah, yeah, had Mark Jackson. Um, lefty, the other lefty from St. John's who went out from Benjamin Franklin. Uh, yeah, I know uh, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, he went out to France and became a big yeah. man out. Yeah, uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, yeah, it was a quite a few. Um, Yannick Noah's son, but he couldn't play some stuff, you know? <laughs> but time, you had my son. You had my son one year, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, um, the guy, he went to Maris. Uh, Danny Basil? No, the Dutchman. Um, shrimp. Oh, or Rick Schmitz? Yes, Rick Schmitz, yeah. And he couldn't, he played for Dykeman. He was like 74. Yeah. I never saw a person that big in my life, you know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't even catch the ball. Let me go. Having four. 
seven point played for Dykeman. I said, wow, wow. And um, uh, what's Sean Couch's, um, Sean Couch? Went to Columbia? Yeah. 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 And uh, Darren Barnett or Burnett, young kid yeah. went to Columbia also. Well, you had to have Butch Lee. Oh, yeah. Butch Lee, man. Oh, yes, yes. In fact, I got a photo of Butch Lee playing in the, in the Doc Turner Holiday Tournament at City College. And they're playing against Andrew Jackson. Okay. Now, Paul um, has another name for school. Uh, I forget the name of it now. They don't call it Andrew Jackson anymore. I forget the name of it. But they're playing, and the kid from Taft is playing. Um, the one that went to the University of Penn. Uh, ooh. I don't know who that one is. And his son, his son, is also in the NBA also. His son went to the University of Connecticut and was in the NBA. Um, good kid. Good kid. Um, from Mount Vernon? Or from? No. He, yeah. He went from, he was at Taft High School. Oh. I got to figure that one out. But I know you had to have Ed Pinkney. Oh, Ed Pinkney. Ed Pinkney, yes. And had um, your boy at the Mount Vernon, um, Scooter, and Rodney. Yeah. And, 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 and from Scarsdale, Butch Lee. And that's Butch Lee. Butch, that's Butch's name. Father, Butch Gray. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Johnny, Johnny and Butch. Right. Right, yeah. Johnny and Johnny. Right, Johnny was going to one of the Ivy League schools. Uh, um, they had a lot of good ball players up here too. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, like I said, um, Suda, Rodney. Did uh, you have Ray? No, Ray was ahead of me, but his okay. brother Scat was there. Scat and another brother, uh, Smiley. Yeah, I know smiling. Uh, yeah. They were there. Um, what else was up there? Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. The brain is not picking up all. Oh, Jim Bostic. Um, he played for Detroit. University of Mexico, and he was playing with the Detroit something in the NBA. He's Dr. Bostic now. He's in Yonkers, Neverhand Center. You might know him, um, uh, Bernard. Yeah, I think I know the name. Yeah, Big Jim Bostic. Uh, yeah, I think I know the name. Well, you had to have Tiny. Oh, boy. Listen, quick, quick question. When I started working in my night centers, I'm coaching them uh, just before I started refereeing. So we got a game, and we're playing. My, my son is PS5 in the South Bronx that came against Pearson, which is also in our, in, in, in our, in our area. So, my team, they got Tiny on his team. On the, uh, how could they well, they called I said, well, we got Peewee. And we had other, we had other, we had more players too. <laughs> yeah. 
Johnny put a hurting on us, man. You <laughs> didn't know who he was. Johnny. Oh, boy, he was awesome. And, and you know, listen, Bernard, I went to dedication of his gym, of the gymnasium in his name. Yeah, yeah, I was supposed to go up to Clinton that day, too. Miles had told me, but I couldn't make it. And, and no, see, this brother has got a new heart. He had a heart transplant. Mm. And, and, and Miles said, hey, Tiny, please, wore out one heart. Don't wear out this one, you know, because he would run eight miles a day, all this kind of stuff, you know, but what a great guy. What yeah, a great yeah. guy. You know, that, that just goes to show how far and how long your memory is because you've been through so many experiences officiating. Um, I did want to ask you, how much has basketball changed in the 50 years, the, the five decades that you've been officiating from when you first started to the present day? The big guys are just so agile and mobile. You know, they're not the exception anymore. They're almost like the common. You know, the Durant and, 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 and handling the ball and, and everybody handles. At one time, you know, if you were for something, your position is on the blocks and in, down, and low post. Rebound, pitch it out. But the game is it's just so athletic now. You know, and Ren, I think it's a tribute to, I guess, the video, being able to see yourself on screen mm. and whatever, whatever. So for generations of being able to – and the whole A – the phenomena of the whole AAU corporation, AAU basketball, is just taking things to another level, too. It's, it's fast-forwarded, the learning curve, you know, and it's changed the game so immensely. Everything is just so athletic. The guys, everybody, that's shooting threes and, and – and handling and everything is it's just it's, 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 hey I, I like that Donovan what was the kid's name Donovan Donovan uh, Mitchell oh what a ball player mm. I, mean, I just like to see him man I mean it's just it's, just, it's, it's poetry in motion when he's out there man. It's just seeing him execute really 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 and, and, and what's the other kid from um on the Celtics. We had him, I had him in the hunt, in hunt the 55th Street. He uh, went Kemba. to right. Kemba Walker. Yeah, Kemba. He's a right graduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he went to Rice and then he went up to Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. And talking about he, Rice, he, he, even my man Burnett, what's, what's um, Leon Barry? Right. Yeah. You know, he was going to be a pro. <laughs> I, I could see that, you know. And he yeah. couldn't get the right break, you know. Yeah, Andre. 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 Yeah. Andre. What a talent. Yeah, it's, yeah well, it's, they had an, and that team, that team was very good because they had Common, Valencia's son, too, that went to Duke for a little while. Ah, yeah, yes, yes. Well, I, they, I had their championship game against Long Island, Luke, in 19, 1995. In Trent. Wow. And I had, Ball game in nineteen in nineteen when was it, Motel? Nineteen ninety what is it? Nineteen nineteen? Uh nineteen eighteen. Had um game at the state. 
the state game, Stepanak played Long Island Lutheran. And Stepanak wound up beating Long Island Lutheran in that game. And it was like, um, your boy Kenny Jordan came to me and said on the side, um, Bernard and Trent, hey, Mo, you might be the oldest guy to referee a state a state um, championship game. Yeah, I said, well, it is what it is, you know. He said, yeah, man, you might have been the oldest guy. But that was almost 20 years later from the 1995 to the 1918, which was just, what's this, 1920? This is 2018. So it's 2018. What am I talking about, 1918? 2018. Yeah, yeah. 2018. I'm going great. I was like, damn, 1918? I said, let's, I said, give him time. He had a question. <laughs> 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 yeah, this is great. This is great. Nah, it's, it's all good, man. Listen, I'm going to give you complete leeway because, listen, man, you've been, I think about my experience, I got thousands of games on me and I'm nowhere near how many you've done, just how long you've been. Um, I think a lot of people would want to know this. Um, what do you think it's going to take for you to walk away from the game? Are you going to walk away on your own terms? Or are you going to think about it like when you're not, when you feel personally that you're not effective on the court that you're going to leave? What's it going to take for you to get off the court? Well, you know, it's interesting because when um, <clears throat> when CDOA retired me, oh, that was a bitter pill. A bitter pill. Oh, mm. bitter pill. But uh, I, I knew I knew that I was more capable than people that they were mm-hmm. holding on to, you know. But it wasn't my call, you know, but it was a bitter pill. But I had to accept it, and um, they gave me a chance to speak. I, I, I spoke on it, you know. I said, hey, listen, you know, I, like James Brown said, I ain't asked nobody to give me nothing. Just open the door. We'll get it ourselves, you know. I said, black officials not asking for you to give us anything. Just open the door. We'll get it ourselves, you know. And um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I aged out with them. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and they had a system where one out, one in. No, ratios always stayed the same, but they just rotated the individual individuals of color, the, the black individuals, into the, the mix. You know, two out, two in, and that was the formula. And um, we weren't controlling the system, and we weren't putting enough pressure on the system. But hopefully, now um, I've seen some. I've seen some some changes. I've seen I watch my NBA games and occasionally I see three brothers out there and I say, Whoa. Uh-huh. Okay. NBA has seemed to be more <laughs> conscious of diversity mm-hmm. yeah. than yes. other places. Well, I can say that because I'm close to it myself. Uh and dealing with some of the people who are the scouts. And I would not say that they're looking for just minorities. They're looking for people 
to make a commitment. And so happens that there are a lot of young officials that they have asked to attend certain venues. And those venues are giving opportunities. Everyone won't get one. But at least, if you, as you would say, if you're in the game, you may get picked. And right. there's more opportunities. And that's my point to the local boards. When you hear an Al Batista, you know, you have a J.B. Caldwell, and, and they're calling me to ask me who's in the arsenal and who's in the – and that's because they feel that I have an eye that I can see it mm-hmm. as well as others can see it. I want to be able to be that facilitator to get us. And now we have a venue because, remember, we go back to City College when we had the mm-hmm. program. I, I repped it when it was at Xavier, you know. Mm-hmm. So at that level, we went down to Manhattan Community College for a few years, you know. And I was fortunate enough because of Lee Jones and Dick Lavetta, and I used to take Manny Sokol to games, you know, when we were doing up there by Greenberg because Greenberg had that pro court, uh, tournament at program up there for a while too. Oh, yeah. Cecil Watkins, Cecil Watkins was involved with all that. And Cecil coached me, so that's how I got more involved. But my goal now is to allow the younger officials, uh, and, and, and God, is my, is God has blessed me to be close to you enough to allow those younger officials from your tutelage or my tutelage to possibly have an opportunity for them to get introduced to some of the things that we've been fortunate enough to be around. So that's what my goal is to do. Yeah, you, you know, and while you were talking, you made me, you, you triggered a, another memory. Sid Borgia, Joe Borgia's yeah. father. Yeah. He, he was like one of the first referees in the NBA, blah, 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 and, 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 and tough guy. And, 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 and Joe was in our board in 452, but it seemed like he didn't like refereeing. I was surprised <laughs> to see him involved in all this all this um, replay yeah. and stuff. I was like, oh my God, look at here. You know? Yeah. Oh, man. But Sid was, he did the and he was breaking us in. He was taking us in, you know, black officials in. And uh, uh, Rent loads more. Uh, yeah. He high school All-American from Mount Vernon. Went Mount Vernon. Yep. Yeah. Went out. West Virginia. He's still in the neighborhood. She's a minister now. God bless. God yeah. bless. I used yeah. to rep his games a lot. Yeah. 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 And he and he was always a class act. Never, he never walked with the attitude or anything like that. He, he just played hard. Yeah. 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 And well, have you guys heard? I understand Gus was not doing too well. Gus no, was, I didn't hear. Yeah, I didn't hear that. I heard he was he was not doing too well, and um, Denzel made it possible for him to get some medical assistance in North Carolina. Um, you know, I did hear he was living down in North Carolina, though. Right, right. I heard down at the Duke 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 um, University Hospital. Yeah, by Africa. Durham, by Durham. Right. Right, right, yeah. Um, Duke and Denzel made it possible for him to get some medical attention. It's a needed medical attention down there, and I understand he's doing, doing pretty well now. But yeah. uh, he, he, he was another one from the area. Didn't have him in high school, but they had a 
dynamite fourth state tournament that was like like with the pro tournament. Oh man, and everybody yeah. was coming up. Um, 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 Pearl was up here. Walter Berry is the guy that we were talking about. Yep, Walter Berry. Yep. Yeah, all these guys were up here, man. It was it was awesome. It was it was true. Yeah, it was cause it, yeah. it was the Ulah of Dula's tournament. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's what it was. Because I used to I used to have Ray Williams and Gus and David, their younger brother, uh, of the Williams brothers, and I had them down at Nickelodeon Pro League, and they played for Mr. Couch. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah, Couch used to bring them all down, you know, so it was good. Ralph, you want to go? Yeah, man. I mean, listen, I, I, I can go. This sounds like a fireside chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Modest and I Modest and I haven't really had a good time to sit down because we're always running and moving yeah. and see each other. Yeah, I, but I understand. This has been a year, and this is like when we talked about it, I said we got to get him in. Absolutely, there's Absolutely. a lot of it, a lot of history. Yeah, people need to hear it, mm-hmm. and people who just see him for five minutes don't know the fifty years. That's what that I was saying. Is. That's what I was saying. And yeah. yeah, and Bill, after everything you said, what do you think are the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball official, a, a multi-sport official, somebody that's been in the game for five decades? You know, it, 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 you know, I got to admit, it took a lot of selfish sacrifice. You know, and it, it, it's oh boy, it has its um, <clears throat> its liabilities because so I have two daughters <laughs> who face uh, my daughter used to eat with all the little nursery rhymes that uh, talking about uh, if you want a game and. My daddy answers the phone. And see I have not been as attentive to the family as I needed to be, chasing my own dream, I guess. Um, that's the downside, in it, the downside in it, and I kind of regret that to some degree. Uh, but it was... It, it was it's just something that it was a craving or a passion. Just had to get out, and I didn't make it. Like you know, I was in six Division One conferences, but they just threw bones at me. You know, Mac would give me four games, just want to give me one. He would give me three games, and you know, it was just sprinkling stuff. You know, it wasn't a schedule. And this is when, hey. When I got my first check from an Ivy League game, $650, I took a picture of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I Xeroxed it, man. I, said, I couldn't believe it, man. And, and, and when we flew, when we would, we would take it, when we go to um, Sienna, not Sienna, um, the one in Buffalo, uh, Agra, or Canisius, you would fly for I got a grand, $400 for the plane fare. And then staying over and whatever, you come out, you had a, a check for $1,100. It was like, 
wow, why have not been involved in this before? It's doing something I like. Something yeah. I like, you know, oh, something that I like to do, man. And, uh, oh, man. But, uh, I and I forgot the question already, man. You got me kind of like. Now I was, I was just saying, what, 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 what do you, what were the attributes aside from sacrifice? What, what, um, what did it take to get to where oh, you I got are? To meet, I got to meet, I got to meet people. I got to interact with people. Um, um, uh, you know, it, 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 and I didn't, I didn't seek this, but it gave me like a celebrity status. You know, oh, it did the restaurant. I remember. Um, I start oh yeah, my first game at um, Yale. They were playing University of Penn, and there's a tall white boy who played for one of the schools in Westchester. He said, "Um, you did my high school game." And that was always kind of that was kind of rewarding and flattering, you know, flattering to hear that, you know, uh, you did my high school game. And I was working up in. Um, Dry County, and he was in the stands. I think it was at Edgemont High School. He was in the stands because his son is playing now, you know. And um, connecting generationally, it's, it's like wow, wow. It's, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah, it's just absolutely good feeling. You know, it's a rewarding, rewarding feeling. It makes you feel as if um, it's perfect too what it is you're doing and mm-hmm. it's, it's a great feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. What do you think it's gonna to take to get to where you want to go and ultimately where do you want to go um in these twilight years of your officiating career? Uh, I like the whole idea of being well I just got assigned to be connected with the state as a state interpreter. But um, I wasn't seeking it out, though, and I'm not even pursuing it. You know, I, I just like to be involved with the game in an instructional um, helpful and cooperative and positive way. I don't know if I have any goals per se, but I like to be involved with the game, and I like to be in a position where we bring a caliber of officials that are coming in mm-hmm. that have a interest and love for the game. Not the dollar rest like um, Bernard mentioned. People really have an interest in the game, the best aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to be a part of that. Uh, in some kind of way, continuously, you know? If you can, from your whole illustrious career, what do you think is the most, if you can pinpoint one moment, what is the most stickiest situation that you've ever had as an official? What kind of situation? Any sticky situation. Mickey Crowley gave you the wrong address. Uh, Some team got, star player got three fouls. Anything. The game we had, the championship of the entertainment tournament. Fat Joe against Jay-Z. Oh, boy. I didn't know who he was at the time. Right. And he's outside, and he don't want to come out of the van. Well, first, 
blackout. I think it was August 14th, blackout. 2003. Mm-hmm. Right, and it was daytime, so I didn't know it was a blackout. Yeah, you know, and I didn't know everything was down until later on. The game is postponed. Then when they had the game scheduled, the drama of, and I happened to watch a little bit on uh, um, YouTube the other day, and I said, oh, look at this. I didn't realize it had all that drama in it. Uh, but it was that particular situation was quite, quite unforgetting. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we wound up, they wound up forfeiting the game mm. because uh, apparently Jay-Z people had gone back to wherever they they were. And this, this kid who used to play for the Knicks, he mentioned that he was coming up here and I didn't even know. Jamal Crawford. Is it Jamal Crawford? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He said they would call him to come up and play. I found this out by looking at the video the other night. I didn't even know who he was at the time, you know. But um, he said he would get a call, get his plane ticket from Chicago to come up and play for JC or Flat Joe. He was playing for one of them at the time, you know. But uh, that was uh, a, a day to remember. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the things. I mean, listen, it was, it was it was so sticky that uh, it didn't even happen. It was sticky. Yes, that's right. But it was almost like, is it going to happen? Right. What do we do about it? Yeah. Is it going to happen? You know, it was, uh, 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 you know, it was one of those things. It wasn't, it wasn't delineated. It was, it was, it was a quiet storm that was potentially going to happen and, 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 and all the drama around it and the, all the, all the hype and, Wow, that was a very, very, very memorable situation. Very, very, very memorable situation. And then, um, and then after every everything that you've done in your illustrious career, what do you think? If you can pinpoint one moment, what is the best moment that you've ever had as an official? Well, I had a game at West Point. My first game at West Point. And I forgot who I was working with. But um, we were just learning three person, and you got in the locker room and, and figured it out. And it had a real tough coach at West Point. Wiki, I think his name was. So when I got out, when we got out and had the captain's coaches meeting, the cadet said, um, he asked us, um, please forgive our coach. You know, sir, they, they call the cadets, they call you sir. I mean, there's so much respect that, you know, like it was like, wow, you know. But uh, um, our coach, this out of hand, um, he's forgiven because he, he really doesn't mean anything personal, you know, this is down. But, sir, we will try and make sure that he does not be disrespectful to you, blah, blah, blah. But that was my first big game. Mm. First Division One game. Three person. We figured it out in the locker room. I might have had one three person scrimmage before that. And you know how three person is now. Mm-hmm. You're trying to watch your position, watch your position. You almost, you almost 
and they're not even refereeing the game. You know, <laughs> at that point, you know, because it was so brand new to us. That was almost. Oh, I guess that that you taking me back. That was probably my uh, my maiden voyage. You know, how you get dipped into something and and but that was almost kind of triumphant type game I had. That game. Oh yeah, one of the best games I had. Double overtime. Springfield in the Division Two Elite Eight tournament. I was up there like four times. But this one. Um, Cal- Bakersfield, I think it was California Bakersfield, and they had a brother from Brooklyn who was rocking from California Bakersfield. The team, the game went into double, I think it was double overtime, double overtime. And the coaches were just, I mean, they, they, they try to play you so, so much. They told me, hey, hey, ref, listen, you need to help your partners out. You know, blah, 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 you know, gaming on me, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, they can feel, California, they can feel wound up winning the game and they won the tournament. That was an elite uh, up in um, Springfield. They won the tournament from Springfield someplace else now. But, um, that might have been, I just felt, uh, I just felt very, very accomplished. And satisfied with the outcome of the game and the excitement of the game and and the performance, you know. You know, I, this is a self evaluation, Randall. If you, if you know those, you know those advice. Yeah. Whoever the um, observer, they might have had something else to say about it, but uh, but uh, you asked me for my self evaluation. Right. You know, that was one that sticks out to me, you know. And uh, wow, you guys, you guys um, dug deep today, man. You took a lot of feelings off the onion today, man. You just, <laughs> you yeah, you didn't I know this know was going to be a therapy know. session, right? No, 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 no. I just, my brother, I really yeah, man. Listen, yeah. Bernard. Bernard seeks out talent. He 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 knows what it is. I'm I'm the only ref yeah. that can do this. So you know, I I always thought that we never really had a voice like this. You know what I'm saying? Like that's really cool that maybe one day I work with you and I get to know you for five minutes. I'm like, oh yeah. And then it's always like the stories that compound and triangulate with other officials. But for me, this was always going to be a thank you for somebody like you. You have a multitude of accomplishments. You've done so much for the game of officiating and you've paved the way for people like me, somebody of color. You know, you talk about how when you were saying when you first started, you didn't really have any role models. You didn't see people that looked like you officiating. So you had to pave the way for somebody like me. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for me to be myself. Right. And I could see other people that appears and other people that are before me and also so many people that are after me. And, and that's why this is important me, for me to spread that message that officiating is such a great thing to do athletically, mentally, to keep yourself involved in a game that you've loved, that has given so much to me personally. I just want to give back. Mm-hmm. And why not put it on the Internet? Why not have this for somebody to learn? That's all I got, Bernard. Um, I thank you. Hey, Mo. what do you got? Hey, thank you, Listen, the pleasure is really mine, my brother. You know? And if you can do anything for me, just do something for somebody else. Oh, you know I do. Go ahead, B. No, I'm I'm saying that I'm just happy that we were able to do this and and just 
bring that history to the table for others to actually hear it. So when they see him, they know who he is. He's just not some guy that's just on the court that they think he shouldn't be on the court. He's earned his stripes. Uh, he's he's brought a lot of folks to the forefront. Uh, I'm not going to forget him. So at the end of the day, just to put him in this platform, I'm happy to be part of it. Me too. I just hope that you're okay, Mo. It's gonna it's gonna feel like your birthday when it gets published. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay, well, hey, listen, I'm looking forward to it. As long as the birthday keeps coming, Trent, uh, uh, Rent, uh, I'll be extremely happy. Amen. Amen. Any other final words you want to say before we we part ways, Bill? No, listen, listen. Um, Great job. Um, thanks for the opportunity for including me in your podcast. When, when um, Bernard mentioned you know, he wanted me to do a podcast. Yeah, you're like, what is that? I hope, I, <laughs> I hope it's not like a or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah, my, I asked my daughter. She said, Dad, they just want to interview you. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember um, when I first started this, I had... Uh, the interpreter for Board 41, Don Landolfi. I came to his house. He's like, what is this, a radio show? Where is this going to be on? And I'm like, no, things are <laughs> things are much different now. Don and, uh, I, Don and I are good buddies, too, man. We're good buddies. Yeah, man. We, that's... We, were the two referees. we were the two referees that um, worked for the university. He worked at Brooklyn College. I worked at Queens College. Yes, he know? did. Uh, yeah, we couldn't do any of the games. Uh, uh, David Walker is one of his... Uh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he's down. Well, he's down in Florida now. David and I yeah. came in together. Wow. David and I came wow. in together at Board Thirty Seven. Wow, wow! And see, David was going to college. He was still at Brooklyn College. And to be honest, David was a baseball player. Oh, I know. And, yeah, and, That's and what Don uh, was Don was the baseball coach. Yeah, Don's yeah. a coach. Yeah, yeah, and and what happened was we got on. And then Buddy Keaton, God bless him, yeah. was giving me, I moved up that ladder quickly and got on the pro-am circuit because I wound up working with Leroy at Soul in the Hole. I worked with Ronnie Nunn at Soul in the Hole in Brooklyn, which was like, that was like the top notch of what you may want to call Rucker Park in Brooklyn. Right, mm. right, 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 right. So, I mean, it was, it was just great just being part of it and, Seeing him grow through the educational system, and when he moved out of Brooklyn and moved over there to Long Island, he just took off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah. he's, he's, he's uh, listen, he's uh, he's an inspiration to me. He made me feel bad when I failed initially, and you know I hope I make him proud with all the things that I've done. I thank both of you, gentlemen. You guys are both okay, inspirations, okay, and I also hope okay. that. I also hope that, you know, 50 years from now, I could say I have one of those crazy careers. But Bernard keeps telling me I got a future in this, so I might have to put down the whistle. But we'll, we'll see how that goes. For Bernard Bowen Sr. from yeah. B-Ball Referees, Bill Modest, this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Ramp. We are signing out. Peace.